desperate and we cried out to God. Do you remember a moment in your life when you were desperate at one time within your life? Whether it's been recently, whether it's when you first got saved, whether it was, you know, uh, after you've been saved for a period of time, you were desperate. Anybody know what I'm talking about being desperate? Anybody ever been desperate where, you know, you're at the point where nothing else could move in your situation? Uh, a point of desperateness where, you know, if it wasn't for God, you were desperate enough that you knew that you needed God to move in your marriage. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? You were desperate, you know, to say, you know what, uh, desperate enough to cry out to God and say, God, if you don't touch these children and, and you don't move in this situation, I don't know if I can continue anymore. Anybody know what I'm saying here tonight? We've all had times where we've been desperate. Many of us, that's perhaps where the beginning of, of your walk with God is at that point of being desperate. That point of saying, you know what, man, if God doesn't do something right here, I don't know what's going to take place. If God doesn't do something in this situation, I don't know if I can continue anymore. And it's in those times of being desperate that I don't know about you that God shows up the most. It's when you, you, you have no other plan. There's no plan B. There's no plan C or so forth or so on. All there is is plan A. God, I need you because I'm desperate enough to believe in you. I need you to show up because if you don't show up, I'm sure to fail. Desperate. See, this psalm is, like I said, a prayer of David. This is in a point in time of David, King David's life, where he was desperate. David is crying out to God because of his enemies. It's a prayer often repeated by David in the Psalms. David had a few enemies. Anybody ever have any enemies? If you don't know that by now, you have an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. He does not like you. There's a target on your back. There's a target on your front. And he wants to take you, your kids, your spouse, your family. He wants to take every one of us out. And David acknowledged that, that he had enemies. See, David didn't go out of his way to make enemies like some of us. Some of us, we just, trouble just happens to be our middle name or better yet, our first name. Some of us, it just seems like trouble just seems to follow us. Trouble seems to go before us and it follows us and it's even behind us. But King David was one that didn't look for enemies, but for whatever reason, enemies always arose against David. They just seemed to find him from, from Goliath to King Saul, all the way to his family and friends. David faced a lot of opposition. Anybody facing any opposition tonight? Anybody going through anything tonight? Because if not, then I could just stop. We could do an altar call. We could go home. But is anybody facing anything tonight? You got any battles that you're going through? Is there any oppositions? Is there an enemy trying to take you out? Is there an enemy of your soul trying to take your kids, trying to destroy your marriage that's been attacking your finances for I don't know how long? Does anybody have any enemies here tonight? We all face kind of, all kinds of different opposition, especially after you choose to live for God. Why is it, I don't understand it, but why is it that when we get saved, first of all, our families that don't even know God, they like, man, I don't know about you, but you need something to be done in your life. You're, you're like, man, the, the way that you're living, you're going to end up in prison the rest of your life. The way that you're living, you're going to be an alcoholic before you're 21. 
the way that you're living, you're going to wind up in prison all your life. Or you're going to get killed out there in the streets. Anybody been like that before? And, and our family is like, they don't know what to do with us. They try professional counseling. And the counselor, after we're done with him, needs counseling. Amen? They try, you know, uh, all these different programs that society has to offer. You know, electric shock. All these different things that they try. and But nothing seems to work. But then all of a sudden, somebody tells us about a man named Jesus. And Jesus enters the scene of our lives. And at one point when we were desperate, even our families were desperate. They were crying out to a God they didn't even know. And all of a sudden, God interrupts our lives. And he begins to change us from the inside out. But after we've been changed just for a little while, everybody say a little while. All of a sudden, our families that you were desperate to try all these things, spend all this money to try to get us help. And then all of a sudden we start serving God and they say, you just gone a little bit too far. You know, you don't need Jesus that much. You know, maybe just go once in a while. But I don't know about you. If I just come once in a while, I'm liable to go back where I came from. I need Jesus 24-7, 365 days, every day and every year of my life. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, I don't know about you, but I know I wouldn't be where I'm at tonight. But our families, they're desperate at times. And then they say, you just go a little too much. You're doing a little bit too much. You're a little too extreme, a little too radical. You know, going to the home for 90 days. It didn't take 90 days for us to get messed up. And most times it ain't going to take 90 days for us to get unmessed up. We need Jesus to come into our lives and change us from the inside out. And it's only because of Jesus that we're here tonight. Who can say praise the Lord? We need Jesus. We have opposition. We have enemies that we face. We'll face all kinds of opposition, especially after we choose to live for God. There'll be times in our life when taking a stand for what's right will produce conflict. Conflict. That's evident when you know all the disciples. Listen to me now. All the disciples, except John. Which was, he, he ended up being, uh, you know, uh, uh, ended up going out to Patmos and he wrote the book of Revelations. But they boiled him in hot oil. They, they told him, if you don't denounce Christ, we're going to kill you right now. Matter of fact, we're going to lower you into this big tub of boiling oil. But John was just crazy enough. He said, you can lower me in that oil if you may. And I'll still worship the Lord with my dying breath. And I'll wake up in the presence of glory. But he was willing to face that opposition. See, speaking out about Jesus meant the disciples risk being tortured. Even killed. Why didn't they keep silent though? Listen to me now. The 12 apostles left families and careers. Often traveling alone to distant countries. Uh, declaring that Jesus died and came back to life. See, you have to understand how, how real the Spirit of God was within their lives. They spent three and a half years with this man named Jesus. 100% man, 100% God. And, and, you know, at one time they were timid and they were fearful and they were afraid. You know, they, they hid up in the upper room. After they crucified the Lord. They ran. They deserted him. What happened from one moment to the next. From one day to the next. 
they what happened is the risen resurrected Lord appeared to them up in that upper room and they seen with their very own eyes they heard with their very own ears they touched with their very own hands and they knew that the Jesus that they lived with for three and a half years was resurrected right before them and it gave them courage that lasted even to this day today and listen to me now this is just, I'm just trying to set some groundwork and then we're going to go somewhere. But listen to these apostles. All tw uh, there's 12 apostles or disciples and 11 of them were martyred. They tried, like I said a moment ago, to, to even take out John. But he was boiled in hot oil and when they left him for dead, he ended up getting out of that hot oil somehow by the power of God. And he took off to the island of Patmos and he, he penned being inspired by the Spirit of God. And he wrote the book of Revelations. That's why he wasn't martyred because God wasn't done with him yet. And I'm here to tell you, God's not done with you yet either. Come on, if that you believe that, get excited for Jesus knowing that he's not done with you yet. But listen to the 12 apostles. Andrew was crucified. Bartholomew was beaten, then crucified. James, son of Alphaeus, stoned to death. James, son of Zebedee, was beheaded. Matthias, stoned to death. Judas, not Iscariot, the other one was stoned to death. Matthew was speared to death. Peter was crucified upside down. Now let me pause there. You may say, upside down? Why was he crucified upside down? Because when the time came when his number was called, and they said, either denounce this Christ that you're preaching has been resurrected, or we're going to crucify you. He said, okay, you can crucify me because I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to uh, uh, change my, my view. I know that Jesus was resurrected. I know that he's alive and he's well today. And they said, he told them, you can go ahead and crucify me, but I'm not worthy enough to be crucified as Jesus was. You crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to be crucified like the Lord. That's courage. How many can say praise the Lord? He was crucified. He said, go ahead and crucify me. You go ahead and crucify me. But you know what? I don't want to be crucified like Jesus because I'm not at his level. Go ahead and crucify me if you may, but do it upside down. And then Philip was crucified. Simon was crucified. And then Thomas was speared to death. And like I said a moment ago, John was exiled for his faith. And he died of old age on the island of Patmos. But yet in the midst of David's struggles with those who oppose him, he says something which is profound in verse number four of Psalm 70 of our text. And tonight I want us to focus for just a few moments on be magnified. It's a verse which is repeated almost word for word in Psalms 40 verse number 16 as well. Where it reads, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Now listen to me. The word magnified in the Hebrew is the word gadal. It's, it's often used, it's an often used word in the Old Testament. It's used at least 115 times. And it means, of course, to make large. It's also translated elsewhere in the Bible as great or greater, grew, grown, exceed, past all. Brought up, promote, advance, lift up, and increase. Magnify is not a word which is, is used as much as it was back in those times. When I think and you think of the word magnify now, I think of looking at something through a magnifying glass so that it becomes larger or more visible. 
I don't know. I, I, I've mentioned this before in one of my messages that I, I used to have a magnifying glass growing up as a little boy. Anybody ever had a magnifying glass? And if you were uh, as mean as I was growing up as a little kid, I used to burn all kinds of different things. Amen. Living little creatures. Amen. Somebody start off with an ant, get a spider, you know, and you, 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 you let the sun, the ray of the sun go through that magnifying glass and it begins to sizzle. Right. You ever see smoke coming off a bug? <laughs> so that's the, the word that we use nowadays. And that's what we think about in regards to magnifying a magnifying glass. See, tonight, listen to me now. Tonight, we're the magnifying glass for the world, for lost people, for people who need to see God. They need to be able to look through us and see the Lord for what he is, for who he is. How do we magnify God? Well, how can we make God visible to those that are still lost and bound? I don't know if you guys know it or not, but there's people that are still lost and bound. There's people that are still virtually on their way to hell. Good people, mind you. Good people. They got good jobs. They drive nice vehicles. They live in nice parts of the city. They live in nice. They're not renting. They're not living in a duplex. They live in nice homes. They, they're married. They got beautiful children. They got a nice little chunk of money saved in the bank. Good people. But yet it doesn't require us to be good to make it to heaven. We have to be godly. We have to be individuals that are magnifying the Lord every day of our lives. Because without God, we're virtually on our way to hell. How do we magnify the Lord to those and we be that magnifying glass to a lost and a dying world those that are virtually on their way to hell number one we magnify him through his word we magnify him through his word we allow people to look at our lives and they look at us and they say you know what man there's something peculiar about that individual there's something strange if I may about those people over there there's just something that's different I can't put a finger on it just yet. But if they study us for any amount of time and they keep watching us and we keep being that magnifying glass for our lost and dying world to the Lord, well, we're making God even much bigger than what they could ever think or imagine. They will be able to say, you know what, man, there's something. And that something is Jesus Christ. See, we magnify him through his word. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 21, it, it just says it's pleased, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Not that preaching, stay with me, that doesn't mean that preaching is foolish, but the message being preached, Christ that was crucified, is viewed by the world as foolish. But how many guys know that, that that's what is able to save somebody's soul? Where they say, you know what, man, what they're preaching is foolish. But yet it's that foolishness in their eyes that Jesus Christ was crucified. But yet he was resurrected. And that same resurrection power is here tonight. And he's able to resurrect us in spite of our situations that we find ourselves in. See, the only way that the lost can be saved is through the preaching of the word of God. See, I enjoy dramas. A lot of our churches, especially my home church, we did a lot of dramas. 
Back then when I first got saved, that's when the cholo scene was very strong and dominant. You had a lot of gangsters and thugs and we did a lot of dramas like that. But how many guys know times have changed? Gangsters and thugs are just about outdated. I don't know if you know by now, right? They're just about outdated, but there's still a handful out there, you know, but yet it's not the drama in and of itself. It's the preaching of the word at the end of the drama that saves souls. It's the word of God that's able to penetrate somebody's heart that is solid hard and able to soften it and penetrate it. And the word of God is able to save their very lives. It's not the drama in and of itself. I believe dramas are an effective tool for presenting the word of God. Yet it does not do the job of preaching. It's through the preaching of the cross. I said it's through the preaching of the cross that people are saved. It's through the preaching of the cross. It's the word of God that is able to save us. We magnify him through his word. Number two, just real quick, is we magnify him through our worship. In the book of Psalms 33, verse number one, it says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. In the book of Psalms 22, 22, it reads, I declare or I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. In the book of Psalms 35, verse number 18, it says, I will give thee thanks. In the great congregation, I will praise thee among much people. And then verse 28, it says, And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. In the book of Psalms 40, verse number 3, it says, He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. We magnify him through our worship. We lift him up. We're able to say, yes, I may be going through a lot tonight. I may be going through it in my marriage, my health. I may be going through it financially with my kids, in my faith. I may be going through it, but no matter what, if I stop focusing on myself and I magnify the Lord, God just may move and produce a miracle in and through my life here tonight. But if we come in and we magnify all our problems... We all got problems. Who has problems? Raise your hand. We all got problems. But if we come in here, we magnify our problems. And we allow those problems to become bigger than what they really are, rather than magnifying the Lord. Then I'm here to tell you, you're going to leave even worse than when you first got here. But if you magnify the King of Kings... If you magnify the Lord of Lords, if you say, yes, no matter what I go through, I will come to the house of the Lord and I'll lift him up. I'll give him praise. I'll magnify him because he's able. He's a miracle working God. How do you know you need a miracle or that he's a miracle working God unless you need a miracle? How do you know he can touch your marriage unless your marriage needs to be touched? How do you know he can heal your body unless you are, are, are sick here tonight? How do we know that he can save our children unless our children go through some things and we continue to magnify the Lord in spite of what comes our way? God may just perform a miracle on your behalf. But we got to magnify him through our worship. What are you worshiping you, uh, tonight? What are you worshiping? Are you worshiping what you're going through? Or me, I'm going through this. Nobody understands. 
Nobody knows nothing about me. Nobody can, can fully understand what I'm going through. You, you, you are almost 100% accurate and right tonight. But you're forgetting the one that matters the most. God knows what you're going through. He knew you were going to go through that before you even entered it. And God is able. And he knows what you can handle. And he's allowing you to go through that. And in, in hopes that you would magnify him rather than magnifying your problem. We magnify the Lord through a dying and lost world through our worship. When your friends and your family members, they hear that you're going through this and that and the other thing. But yet they still see you magnifying the Lord. You're making God bigger. Not that we have to. Because God is a great God. He's an all-powerful God. He's as big and as big as anybody can, can. You can't even imagine how big God is. But we got to magnify him to a lost and dying world. How many can say amen? Number three real quick is we magnify him through our works. Our works. In the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse number 16. It says let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. See, when people see that you continue to labor and put in work to the kingdom of God, then that's magnifying the Lord. When they know that you're tired and they know that you're going through it, they know that you're discouraged, but yet you're still constant. You're consistent in the work of building the kingdom of God. When you focus on his kingdom, he'll take care of your own little kingdom here on earth. But we got to magnify him through our works. See, if you note the word glorify in the Greek, it means the same as magnify in the Hebrew. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 9, it says, For we are God's fellow workers. You bear God's field, God's building. We're his fellow workers. God's not up in heaven just working for us. But he works to save us, that we would help work to save others. We are individuals that need to come along uh, the, the building of the ministry and come along the church. Come along the pastors and the leaders of the church, your brothers and sisters, and begin to labor for the Lord. we got to put work in. In the, the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse number 23, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your hearts as working for the Lord, not for men. How are you working for the Lord tonight? How are you putting in work? How are you getting busy and building the kingdom of God? There's work that needs to be done. There's labor and we're looking for labor. The Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Let that not be said of Victory Outreach East Phoenix that the laborers are few. Let us be a church that is about building the kingdom of God, about rolling up our sleeves, about putting our hands to the plow and not looking back, about staying busy and building the kingdom of God. We magnify the Lord through our works. When individuals that are lost and bound, individuals that are virtually unbelievers on the way to hell, they can see us busy building the kingdom of God. And we continue to let them know that the same way that God has done something in our lives, he wants and he can do it in their lives as well. And lastly, number four is we magnify him through our witness. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter six and verse number seven, it reads, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house. And when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. 
So basically, no matter you're walking, you're sitting, you're lying, we need to be able to be a witness to our children. We need to be a witness to others. In 1 Chronicles 16.9, it says, Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Has he done something in your life? Has God done something? Has he touched you? Has he ministered to you? Has he encouraged you? Has he saved you? Has he set you free? Is God a wonderful God? Has he done anything in your life? Do you have anything that you could testify about? Anything. Has God delivered anybody in this place? Does anybody have anything to testify about? Anybody say, man, I want to testify that God has delivered me. Anybody tonight? Come on, anybody been, anybody, you know, anybody been touched by God lately here tonight? That's good. Amen. I ought to call a few of you up here. Amen. Huh? Who, who's got something to testify about? There's only one that can spit on this mic, and it's me. Amen. So, but who's got something to test? Don't get scared now. Don't run out on me now. Who wants to testify tonight? Anybody? And let me have three people that want to run up here. I got something to testify. Anybody? Run. Come on. Act like this is before when you're out there doing something. Amen. Ain't nobody got nothing to testify. What happened to Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Testify. What happened? Some of you said you're called to be preachers, but you ain't got no testimony. Come on, who's got some fire? Anybody got some fire? Jesus got some fire, amen. He better with a name named Jesus, amen. With a name like Jesus, he better have a little fire in him. <laughs> All glory and honor to the Lord Almighty. Um, it wasn't too long ago, brothers and sisters, I'm talking just a little over a few months ago, that I myself, after completing my probation, after coming to Victory Outreach off and on, just visiting, even when we had the building next door, that I fell back into my bondage. I was like a dog that just returned to his vomit. I was, like James 1.22 says, I was hearing the Lord, but I wasn't doing as he says. Now, practicing what you preach and preaching are two different things. I don't know how it happened. I said I'd never go back, but I went back. It was drugs. It was alcohol. It was breaking the law. It was, it was just terrible. It was just the darkness. It's just... You going back to what hurt you. You going back to the very thing that you despise most. And the sad part was, is it was my choice. It was a conscious decision for me to go back and to do what I knew what was wrong for me. Whether it was putting myself at risk to going to prison for my family. Whether it was just not valuing the life and the body that Jesus Christ gave me. And lo and behold, I was between a rock and a hard place. And he called me out of that darkness. And he used Victory Outreach to do that. He, he used my spiritual parents, my Aunt Diana and my Uncle Vernon. And I came back to Victory Outreach, just down and out on my luck. Me and my family were ready to go to a shelter, didn't have no one to turn to. And we're real decent people. But I guess we were too decent. People just wanted to take advantage of us. And so with all this being said, all within the course of a few months, not only did he give us summer where we can live comfortably and make it our own home, but he's put me through cooking school. Something that I thought of when I was just a teenager. I'm going through school. He's, he's put me through places and classes where I learned a lot of life skills, things that I've forgotten. You know, morality, communication schools, uh, resumes, caught up on my computer skills. Um, and he's given me something more precious than ever. 
He's given me a ministry to do the media that can allow you guys to be guided through your praise and worship, something that I love doing myself more than ever. And I can tell you right now that I see the light at the end of the tunnel more than ever. If you just press on and you apply his word to your life, you're going to be more than conquerors and you're going to live in victory too. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I'm just so thankful uh, that I'm, uh, I'm a Christian now. Uh, my life was, uh, I did uh, 12 years in prison. Uh, How many years? 12. I know, I'm just telling you they couldn't hear you, amen? <laughs> Anyways, uh, I just, I've, been, I've just been blessed uh, to have to, uh, I got out of prison and uh, I wanted to go back to my vomit, you know. Uh, I got back into heroin, uh, I shot some dope, uh, and uh, it was it was a brand new needle, but it was a dirty spoon, and I, I shot myself up, and I, this is what happened to my arm. Almost lost it. I almost lost my arm. If I didn't go back, uh, if I didn't go to the hospital that day, I would have lost it. Um, I went through six surgeries in one day, I mean, in one week, I'm sorry, and I spent a whole month in the hospital, you know, and then uh, I met a brother that I grew up with that I was in prison with, and, uh, and it was just, uh, it was a bad uh, ordeal that just meeting him up, and uh, when I was in there, I was doing dope again, you know, and uh, I had my dealer come into the hospital and give me the stuff, you know, and... Uh, in the hospital? Yeah, in the hospital, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, because I had a pig line, you know, so... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Anyways. Poke free, amen. See, that's... Uh, wow. See, I didn't even grow up like that. I grew up uh, uh, with a strict Hispanic family, you know, uh, in the barrio también, you know. My dad was a... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a... Like a Mafioso. Uh, yeah, he was, yeah. He was clicked up. This, uh, called A group called a Grande. It's kind of like a... It's like the M but a different type of thing. And uh, I got clicked up in prison as well. And... Uh, I was just, you know, I, I was lost and bound, you know, going through so many things in my life. You know, I pushed my whole family away. Um, people would see me and wouldn't realize, man, that's you, you know, because I've always played sports. I was a three-year letterman in high school. You know, I started as a sophomore, as a quarterback, and as a catcher, you know. And uh, after all that, you know, I, I got addicted to drugs and uh, from painkillers and stuff like that. So I started using and going to Painkillers. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gateway. It really is. <laughs> anyway, so... I lost everything. I lost my whole family, my my vehicles, my homes, and everything else that I had. You know, um, so um, this last time I got out of prison, like I said, I lost this. You know, and um, this guy was witnessing to me. This guy I grew up with, like I was saying, and he goes, "You need to go into the home." I go, "I knew, already knew about it." Victory Outreach, the West Home, and I went there for like three weeks, and I got thrown out of there because the same thing. You know, heroin. I couldn't let go. You know, finally, I've been delivered from that for three years. Come on now, now. three years. How long? How long? How many years? years? Three years. You're a chef too? You're a chef? Yeah. You're a chef? Come on, give the Lord some praise for that, amen? Yeah. You used to cook in prison? Huh? Were you a cook in prison too? Yeah. Hey, cook in prison? Now he's cooking out here, amen. Yeah, Come on, give the Lord some praise, Brother Brian. And now I got my own place. I went through the home. I did 22 months in the home, which is kind of long, but <laughs> I needed it. 22 months. It was rough, you know, but... I knew Say it God. again. How many months? 22. 22. Amen. It was hard, but, you know, you guys can do it. You know, uh, I was very hard-headed. I gave Al a hard time. You know, I just <laughs> bumping heads with everybody, you know, thinking that life was like a, a prison, but it wasn't, you know. Um, I finally, you know, surrendered. I gave God, you know, my all, you know, and, and uh, now I got my whole family back. My children are back. In my How long have you been out of the home? I've been out of the home since uh, June. 
Since June, all right, over we seven months now, huh? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, and I got hired as a, you know, I was where I'm working at now, I'm a, the headline cook, you know, so I got How'd you get that job? How'd you get that job? Volunteering. No, how'd you get it, though? Where were you well, at? Through the, the home. home. Yeah, Give the Lord the some praise for the home, amen? Yeah. If it wasn't praise for the home, the I wouldn't have this job. You know? And uh, the chef, you know, wants me to do all kinds of other stuff, you know, and uh, I'm just thankful to God for what, you know, it's all because of God. All the glory goes to God, not me, you know? Praise That's why we should magnify Him every day of our lives. Because I've been set free, you know, and I thank God for that. Amen. Glory to God. Okay, okay. He was 12 years. How many years you got? Well, I did 22 years. 22 years. Uh, God delivered me from that, but God delivered me from a lot of other things that are similar to some of y'all's and very different from some of y'all's. Uh, I was a lieutenant in the Aryan Brotherhood. Lieutenant. Uh, uh, God delivered me from that. I have no hate in my heart anymore. Huh. Uh, I, I, you know, I actually, you know the Mexican brothers now, huh? Yeah, you know. <laughs> the black brothers too, amen. Yeah, somebody. yes, sir, yes, sir. Right. Uh, the, the, the thing of it is, is uh, uh, I, I too graduated the home, but you see where I'm, where I'm sitting. So uh, I backslid, and uh, uh, I was only out there for two months, and two uh, months, and uh, it ended me back up in jail. But uh, by the glory of God, I'm standing in here in front of you now. I'm still going through court, but they let me out. And it's only through the power of God that that was even possible. Amen. Because because uh, pastor was in court. He knows that this is this is a true statement. Um, uh, I was facing 35 years flat time. Uh, and, uh, and I told him the other night, now I'm only facing 15. So he said, you know, get, amen. <laughs> but, but the thing of it is, is, is what I, what I can testify to is the fact that God is all powerful. Yes. He can, he will. And, and, and I, I give him all glory and praise. Uh, I was able to touch lives while I was in jail. I, I, I held Bible studies while I was in jail. Uh, I know that I made mistakes. Uh, but it, uh, God placed me where I, or allowed me to go to where I was at to uh, to uh, revamp myself. And uh, I had a choice when I came out here to either go live in Mesa or go to the home. And uh, I decided to go to the home. Uh, Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, it, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm totally blessed. Uh, pastor let me back in the home. And uh, uh, mostly, I, I just I give I give all glory to God. Amen. Because uh, God has delivered me. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're gonna have the sister right here wants to come minister. Come on, she wants to come. One last one, and we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna finish this service tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. But anyway, I just wanted to um, testify that, like, um, I held myself hostage for 12 years. Well, yeah, 12 years. I think a little bit longer. Um, I even held my kids hostage in the home. But at the same time, I was neglecting them because I was too addicted to meth. I was constantly in my room. I kept my, my, my kids in the house, locked in the house, too. It's getting high all the time. And then, um, like, when, uh, there was times where I wasn't sending them to school because I'll wake up too late or something. It was just horrible. Then CPS came in. They got involved. Um, they took my kids. And I was really desperate. I was like crying out. I didn't believe that I can get them back. 
And um, I used to cry and scream if I with my, my um, fiance over there every day. I said, we're not gonna get the kids back. I was just, I was losing it. And then um, I started going to tarot and stuff like that. And then I started coming here. And within like two months, I'm already gonna graduate the program. My my case manager. Praise the Lord. My case manager told me he's gonna do a surprise visit, so that's good news that my kids are gonna be coming home. He wants to check out the apartment, and so. Come on, then give, give the Lord some praise for that, amen. And I gotta give glory to the Lord. It's awesome. I'm just so excited. So. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, why don't we all stand here tonight, amen? Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I know this is a little different, but it's good to hear what God is doing. Amen. And I don't know about you, but we have more than enough reason to magnify the Lord. God has done some awesome things in our lives and he's been, he's been too good to us, you know, and that's the grace of God. That's the, the glory of God. That's, he deserves to be magnified. In the book of Psalm 77, verse number 12, it says, I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. We have so much to talk about. So much good that God has done in our lives. Many of us, we know that without a doubt, we're only married still because of the awesomeness of the God that we serve. Many of us, We've had our kids restored to us because of the greatness of God. Many of us, we've been delivered and set free only because of the power of God. And I don't know about you. I don't know your situations. But I know that no matter where we find ourselves at, we all should magnify the Lord. We should magnify the Lord. It's only because of His grace. It's only because of His mercy. It's only because of His love. Many of us can say like I can, if it had not been for God. If it had not been for God, I wouldn't have my wife. If it had not been for God, I wouldn't have my children or my grandchildren. If it had not been for God, I probably wouldn't have my freedom. Or perhaps I wouldn't even be alive tonight. But because of the glory of God, because of the grace of God, because of the greatness of God, because of His love. I'm here tonight and I just want to magnify him not that he needs to be but how many of you guys know that through a hurt dying lost world we are that magnifying God that magnifying glass unto the Lord and if you want to be an individual that would magnify him through his word you want to be an individual that would magnify him through your worship you want to be an individual that magnify him through your works and you want to be an individual that want to magnify him through your witness. Then these altars are open if you want to magnify him as I begin to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, let us be an individual, God, and individuals in a church. Father, that would stay grateful, God. That would love you, God. That would magnify you, God. Let us never lose sight of the fact that it's only because of you and nothing else. Father, we need you. Without you, we're nothing, God. Father, there's a lost and dying world that is still out there, God. And we need to be that magnifying glass, God, unto you, Lord Jesus. That they would know that the greatness of God. That they would know the grace of God. That they would know the love of God. 
that they would know that you are able, God, to transform. You are able to change. You are able to heal. You are able to set free. You are able to restore. You are able to reconcile, God. And because of that, God, you're worthy to be magnified. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we praise you here tonight. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah.